The Old Testament scripture reading comes from the book of Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, verses 31 through 34. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. This is another one of those passages from Scripture that's very familiar. We know these words well, so let's take a minute and put this passage into context so that we can be sure we understand what it means, and equally as importantly, we can be sure that we understand what it means for us today. We, the people who are charged with sharing the heart of God from the heart of downtown Macon. This passage speaks of a covenant A covenant is an agreement. The word comes from a Latin word meaning a coming together. When two or more people or groups of people come together to create a contract or an agreement with terms and conditions and potentially repercussions when the terms and conditions are not met, the agreement is a covenant. In the Old Testament, the term covenant is used to indicate a bond. Two or more parties are connected through a binding agreement. Marriage, for example. Marriage is a covenant between two people who agree to be bound together. Marriage is a covenant that that we respect and we have experienced and known for generations. A covenant between two or more people is considered a covenant between equal parties. However, the covenant that was created at Sinai between God and Moses as a representative of the Israelite people was not a covenant between equal parties. A covenant between God and humanity cannot be equal because God is God. God, the creator and giver of life, and the one who has the potential to take life, this God offered a covenant To the people, God offered assurances of his protection, his provision, and his faithfulness to his promises, and all that he asked of the people is that they would obey him in return. And now we come to the words written by the prophet Jeremiah. The people are in exile in Babylon because of their disobedience. Because they failed to obey, they received multiple warnings from the prophets of God about what would happen if they didn't turn away from their wicked ways and back to God, but they never made that turn. Jerusalem has now been decimated, the promised land is overrun, and the people are scattered. And in spite of all of this, the God of the covenant, the holy and righteous God, who has never done anything but keep his promises, this God, who could have turned his back on his people, did not. He could have turned completely away from them, leaving them to suffer the pain of his rejection, not because of anything he did, but because of their own disobedience. 
but he did not. He continued to reach out to them. He continued to offer hope, to offer the possibility of a future. He continued to show his love and his mercy, even when they were living in the consequences of their choices and their disobedience. And then we find in the words of the prophet Jeremiah, God's promise to continue to be faithful, but this time in a new way. There will be a new path to the fulfillment of the terms of this covenant. The changed terms of the covenant relate to how the covenant is lived out. In the Old Testament covenant, people are charged with teaching their children the terms of the covenant. Jeremiah tells us that God is changing that. No longer will we have to teach others the terms of the covenant. God will write it on our hearts. The covenant will become such a natural part of us that it will be as simple as breathing. It will be as simple as our inhaling and exhaling as we take air in and out. And now, farther down the road from when Jeremiah actually recovered these words, now we know the full extent of the new covenant. God acted through Calvary to assume the penalty for his people's faithlessness. And because of that action, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, can live in the hearts of the people who call him Lord. The effect of the Lord Jesus Christ alive in our hearts should show to every person we meet. It should be visible. There should be no question when someone meets us that they are meeting a follower of Christ. There should be no reason for anyone to have to be taught the terms of the covenant. We should see it lived out in the lives of the faithful in such a way that we can imitate and copy and live it out ourselves. When someone looks at you, do they see Jesus in all that you say and in all that you do? Could they learn the terms of the new covenant God has established by the way you live? Are you showing the heart of God from your own heart by your words, your deeds, your very life? You should be. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today's epistle comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. Listen for the word of God. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We give thanks to God for his word today. 
Growing up, I had a cousin who I was the biggest fan of. He was uh, a cousin who married into our family, so I didn't grow up uh, knowing him from from birth, but I ended up being introduced to him uh, probably when I was around 10 and on into my teenage years. He played music, he played guitar, he sang, he wrote songs. He had the coolest style. I just thought he was the coolest person. And so everything that he did, I wanted to do. I wanted to be like Lucas. I wanted to live like Lucas. And that led to some not so comfortable situations. I'll tell you why. So Lucas, he was a funny guy. He liked to joke and uh, me being young and impressionable, um, I, I believed him and, and took his word for it when he said when he was younger, um, he would, he would uh, grab fish out of the ocean like the little minnows and, and just take a bite out of them and eat, eat them. So uh, sushi, if you will. So I was like, wow, Lucas did that. That's, that's rad. That's awesome. So I decided I was going to do the same thing. We were all at the beach together, and out in the water, I grabbed a net and pulled out one of those little minnows that just swim by in the shallows, and I decided I was going to be like Lucas. I was going to do just what he did. So in, in deciding, I decided which end I was going to take a bite out of first. Decided on the tail end, I, I went and I just took a big bite into that fish. Now you can imagine, it was absolutely disgusting, salty, fishy, sardiny. Um, all of that, and so I just, I spit it right out, um, and, uh, and then over a little ways away, I saw Lucas laughing, um, and just realizing that I, I had taken the bait, right? Um, I had believed uh, that that was what they used to do, and well, of course it wasn't. Who would do that, right? Um, but I was so compelled. I was compelled to the point of, of doing something that no one in their right mind would do. And uh, I, was, I wanted to live like Lucas, right? Because he was my role model. He was the person I was following in his footsteps. Now, why do I share that story today? I share it because um, I believe that this is what we see in this passage of Scripture. We see the person of Jesus who was willing to obey God the Father, even to the point of suffering and, and suffering a death on a cross. But he didn't do that without receiving a reward, a reward that was uh, born out of suffering. It was born out of obedience to God. And we see that Jesus had this same picture in his mind uh, that, that I had of my cousin Lucas. He was willing to follow. He was willing to trust and, and to obey and to do the things that God was leading him to do, even if that meant finding himself in an uncomfortable place, in an uncomfortable situation. So in this season of Lent, we are talking about Jesus' journey to the cross, his journey of suffering along the way to, to death, and ultimately to the, the Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection and the eternal life that is in Christ. But today in our scripture, we're reminded that we are called as Christians, as little Christs, as people who experience this gift of eternal salvation in Christ, that we too are called to endure, to trust God where he leads, to trust Jesus 
and to obey. And so our, our scripture today, I believe, is instructing us on a few things. The first is that we're called to be fervent in prayer, connected to our source of eternal salvation, which is Jesus. We're called to offer up prayers and supplications and to, to make known our love for God and our need of him. We're also called to bow in holy reverence and submission through obedience to God's word, obedience to God's ways. And ultimately, we get to experience relationship with Christ, and that leads us to experiencing eternal salvation. Well, let's just pause for just a moment and think about that gift of eternal salvation. Wow, what a blessing, what a privilege, what an amazing gift God gives us. But it doesn't come without suffering. It doesn't come without us laying down our will and our life and, and the things that we hold on, we want to hold on to that are of this world, that are the things that are passing. And God calls us to take hold of following in his ways, following in the way of Jesus. And it is in that place that we are truly free where we're fervent in prayer, we're reverent in submission, and we're experiencing Christ unto eternal salvation. See, Jesus is appointed by God in this passage we see as the great high priest, the one who is the bridge between humanity and God. We get to experience a restored relationship with God, not only in the here and now, but for eternity, forever and ever and ever, we get to live in the presence of God's love for us. I'm so, so thankful for my Savior, for Jesus, the one who went ahead, who made a way, who suffered, and who was crucified, who died, and who we will soon celebrate is resurrected to life. And as we follow in the path of Christ, as we follow Jesus as his people, we too get to experience the gift of eternal salvation. So what is God calling you to lay down uh, in this season of Lent? What is God calling you to let go of so that you can take up what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to trust and obey? I remember a hymn, and I'll close with this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. As we experience the joy of salvation that God brings, may we find it in laying down our lives for God and for others. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.